Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to episode 46 of the Linkage Podcast by Episcopal Retirement Services. This episode is for the month of August 2022. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Brian Reynolds, Vice President of Marketing for Episcopal Retirement Services, and I'm here with Kristen Davenport, our Director of Communications and the Executive Producer of this podcast. How are you, Kristen? Hey, Brian. It's great to be with you today. It's been a super busy month, and it's nice to take a little break and talk with you and uh, share some of the great things happening at ERS with our listeners. Absolutely. The Linkage Podcast is dedicated to educating our audience about issues regarding aging, informing people about the mission of ERS, and how that comes to life in our everyday interactions with residents, clients, families, and staff members. So Kristen, we've got a great episode uh, this month, and you want to tell us uh, who we've got on our uh, podcast this month? Brian, we've got some really great guests with us this month, and uh, we have had her on the show before, but uh, Shannon Braun is back to share some more information with everybody um, from the Center for Memory Support and Inclusion. Mm -hmm. Of course, we're visiting with our president and CEO, Laura Lamb, to hear an update from Laura, Mm -hmm. and we've got another great guest, um, a new staff member. Her name is Hannah McCarran. And mm-hmm. Hannah um, is a household coordinator at Marjorie P. Lee. Yeah, I enjoyed her my conversation with her and getting to know her more. So with that being said, Kristen, uh, do you want to introduce our first guest? Brian, I recently sat down with Shannon Braun, and Shannon um, is a wealth of information on what's happening around the communities um, for dementia inclusion. And uh, I had a really great conversation with Shannon this month. Everyone, let's listen to Shannon Braun. Shannon, welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad to have you back as a guest. Thanks, Kristen. I'm always glad to be back. Yeah. Well, um, I, I like that you're you've become sort of a frequent frequent guest because you've got a lot of new things happening and um, I'd love for you to tell our listeners just about some of the work that you've been doing with the Cincinnati police. Yes, of course. It's it's really kind of thrilling. Um, the Cincinnati police a few years ago wrote a grant called the GRASP grant and um, the idea behind it is to reduce injury and death among populations who wander. And so they've identified uh, the dementia population and the autism population as um, being two groups that um, could benefit from police officer training in um, typical disease progression as it as it um, relates to dementia and then other just um, behaviors and, and typical um, ways that people are impacted by both autism and dementia for officers to understand that a little bit better and to anticipate um, some challenges that they might experience when they encounter those folks um, in their day-to-day. So what it entails is um, a partnership between myself through the Center for Memory Support and Inclusion, um, the Alzheimer's Association, and the Regional Autism Advisory Council. And we each, um, it's a two-day training program, a whole day on dementia and a whole day on autism. 
and educating the officers about how to interact with um, folks impacted by both of those things. And we, it's a three-year grant and we train 25 new officers every six months. And then with the grant, there's also a part-time advocate who works uh, for the police department. She's a social worker and she's able to put any families impacted by uh, autism or dementia um, in touch with resources. And um, she's just been really great um, as part of the community and um, really helps people who are at risk of wandering and just might have encounters with the police as a part of their disease process. Wow, Shannon, that has got to feel great to be part of that important work. I mean, it's it's really um, a, can be a scary issue for families, and to know that there's there's help coming, um, training those police officers what to do. Yeah, it it is. It's really rewarding. I think that um, the officers for the most part were really receptive to what we had to say and um we had our first training in may and we're doing it again in november and um there's also a component of the grant that allows for gps tracking systems um to be a pilot project for the city to give them out for free to a few people that qualify mm. um, and have the officers get to understand how those GPS systems work so they can help finding people who are lost. Wow. Wow. Another great thing that I love that that's happening in our community. That's something really positive um, that's helping families and I'm sure certainly helping um, the police in the city of Cincinnati to do their job just more effectively and more safely. Absolutely. And they are hoping that it will be um, even more successful and that it will be a model for other cities to follow. Wow. Exciting. Well, thanks for telling our listeners about that um, and um, such important work that we're involved in. Um, thank you for leading that. Um, and I know the last time that you were on with us or maybe the time before, we talked about a great program um, that you're involved with that you've helped um, bring to Cincinnati, which is Dancing to Remember. Um, mm -hmm. Earlier this summer, we offered Dancing to Remember for the first time. Um, I know I just heard recently that it's back for the fall. Why don't you yes. tell our listeners about what they could expect if, if they knew somebody that might benefit from that program? Yeah, so we had such a good time with the Dancing to Remember program. It's very easy ballroom dancing experience, um, a lot of fun for people with dementia and their care partners. And um, it's led by this wonderful dance instructor named Mary Ramirez Cook and her dance studio in Sharonville. Um, and we had such a good time earlier this summer. We did a three-week series that... Um, based on responses, we've extended it. And now we're going to double that time. And it's going to be a six week series in the fall. So we're excited to get uh, back up and running on October 27th. It'll run for six weeks. And um, it will, we will skip the week of, of Thanksgiving, it's going to be on Thursdays, and then um, it will end on December 8th. 
And as we did earlier this summer, we will have a celebration showcase so that the dancers can invite their friends and family to really see what dance moves they've learned. And that will be the following week on the 15th. So we're really excited, um, hoping that more people will hear about it and want to join um, and uh, really proud of that program. Yeah, that's exciting. And um, on our um, written blog online, I know we just uh, posted a new story about that. Um, Mike Rutledge, who attended the celebration this summer, got to meet a lot of the participants and heard their stories. It was just wonderful to read about, you know, how much um, it enhanced their time together. Um, I, I just think it's it's wonderful that we're we're offering these kind of experiences. Yeah, it, it was really fun. I I really enjoyed it too. It's, um, you know, it's always a risk to try something different, both in hosting a new program and in, in joining a new program, something you've never done before. But um, I think there was really a, a great payoff. So it was wonderful. That's great news. Well, thank you, Shannon, for joining us again. Um, I appreciate it. And we will have you back on very soon. Of course. Thanks, Kristen. Well, Kristen, uh, it, it was really good to hear again from Shannon. You know, she is such a wonderful resource for our community uh, and, and our, our retirement communities. But you know, this Dancing to Remember program really sounds special. I know, I know uh, our folks and, and the participants really had fun with that uh, earlier this, this summer and spring and, and looking forward to a new set of sessions this fall. Absolutely, Brian. And uh, we've got a new blog out about um, how successful that program mm -hmm. um, was the first time that they did it uh, earlier this summer. And uh, so thanks to Mike Rutledge, who... Um, who attended their celebration and um, got to talk to so many of the participants and um, just, just heard some great things from them, how much um, it impacted um, their enjoyment of, um, you know, being together with um, their care partner. It, it was really, um, it was heartwarming to hear that, um, how much of an impact our programs do have on those in, in the broader community. Well, next up, Brian, you um, got to sit down with our president and CEO, Laura Lamb. Let's hear Brian and Laura. So we're back here again this month on our podcast with uh, president and CEO, Laura Lamb. How are you, Laura? I'm doing well, Brian. How about you? I'm doing well. The summer's starting to come to a close. The kids are going back to school and... Um, but it's still nice to have the warm weather, I have to admit. It really is, isn't it? Yeah. So I, this last month has been jam-packed with some great uh, kind of discussions and activities. And I wanted to start out kind of by maybe talking about one of our affinity groups, the the young professional group that that um, well, I was not here on vacation. You were, you were, uh, you know, listening to the discussions and certainly our future is, I think, well, well within, uh, a great group of hands and, and wanted to get maybe your perspective on, on the panel discussion of our young professionals that, that was hosted last month. 
Oh, Brian, you missed a good one. Sorry mm -hmm. to rub it in, but <laughs> you I really did. It was, um, it was really great. It, it was so energizing. And, uh, like you said, it, um, the future's in good hands and it frankly took me back to when I was a YP and right. it, I, I just really enjoyed it. Yeah. And, and I think, it, you know, it, it's, it's fun hearing their perspective as they grow and, and, you know, I, I'm sure, you know, as I look at the notes, you know, from, from last month and, and got to see a, a video of it, but, but hearing, you know, kind of their challenges compared to maybe when you and I were young professionals, you were, you were, you know, part of ERS at that part of your career, but what, did you see anything that was maybe similar or different in the challenges that these YPs are facing? You know, I think there, there, you know, there's a lot of similarities, but um, I think there's some nuances, particularly because the YPs in the panel that we were discussing, mm -hmm. not only talked about their experience of YP, but you can't help but talk about what's going on in their work mm -hmm. uh, career right now, of course. And, you know, one of the glaring differences is they've had to you know, some of them have navigated through a pre po a pre COVID, a COVID and a post COVID world. And, right. you know, obviously you and I didn't have that when we were YPs. And I think mm -hmm. it just, you know, it keeps coming back to connectedness. And I think, you know, this generation, unfortunately for the last three years desires connection, right. We know mm -hmm. that about the generation, mm -hmm. but then we have felt disconnected because of covid so it, it's interesting so it's right. it's similar but not you know we have similarities but it's not all the same right well and one of the other things you talk about that, that that idea of connectedness coming out of covid and and you've always heard with younger generations how maybe independent uh you know whether that's kind of you know in terms of their mentality but it, it sounded like they really crave mentorships and, and guidance. Yeah. I mean, that was definitely a theme is that, you know, we were young an acknowledgement almost that we're young in our career mm -hmm. and we have a lot of energy and excitement, but we do appreciate and value someone that's um, a little bit uh, farther along on their career journey, giving us advice and, uh, consultation. Right. Right. Well, and I know, you know, just from joining this organization, I, I might have not quite have been at the youngest level of the YP, but ERS really values our, our next generation of leaders and, and puts in a lot of, has traditionally put in a lot of time and effort into developing those. And how have you seen that kind of benefit the organization throughout the years? Well, um, first of all, I've been a recipient, so I've not right. only, I personally have benefited from that, but I, I believe that the organization benefits from it because, you know, um, sometimes maybe YPs are entering the organization as their first or second job. And, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes it's the first opportunity to serve older adults as an example. And right. we've had a lot of YPs that, you know, thought that their career was going to take them in one direction, but after the experience working at ERS and mm -hmm. getting to know our mission and, mm -hmm. and frankly, 
being able, able to serve older adults has really been what's changed kind of their career path. Um, I can think of quite a few people that, you know, started in marketing or in Mm -hmm. maybe some are ancillary or support services that decided either one, I want to get into operations or two, boy, I didn't realize all of the benefits of working for a nonprofit aging services network. Right. Well, and then I, I just think, you know, from my own perspective, what a gift of learning, um, you know, that there's so many different disciplines that are involved in this industry, whether it's hospitality or care or Alzheimer's and dementia or, um, or, or, you know, dining, things like that. I mean, there's just so many disciplines, but to be able to, to learn and, and be invested in, uh, you know, I, I see that so much throughout the organization. For sure. I do as well. Yeah. It's, it's one of the things that I really appreciate about ERS because I know, you know, sometimes I hear people saying, well, you know, um, takes too much time or they want people that come in with a lot of experience. And, right. you know, you and I've talked about this, that there are a lot of things that we can teach people, but it's hard to teach that cultural fit and alignment. Mm-hmm. So I, I think having someone that's early in their career, that's eager and wants to learn um, and fits our culture is just, is just a real recipe for success. Right. Well, and, and then I think the other thing, just looking at the panel is how diverse of a a panel in terms of the types of jobs, their backgrounds. I mean, that was really neat to see, you know, administrators and, and and other positions. So it, it seems like we're being really diligent on training people throughout the organization, not just one type of role. Yeah, that was, that was a neat, Megan did a nice job assembling a panel. I thought mm-hmm. it was very diverse. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and so just kind of moving on, I, you know, to another topic, um, you know, this past Friday, we, we had an opportunity to gather um, with some of our residents in our timeless traditions Um uh, uh, gala uh, here at the Hyde Park Country Club, and I, I, I know I've mentioned this to you before, but you, you really provided a very, very beautiful speech um, that was very reflective, and and I know it was based on some of your reading recently on a book about moments, and I wondered if you could kind of share that perspective and how, maybe just to start off, how those moments, um, you, you know, have been an impact on you. Yeah, it, it it's a, it's the, a really neat book. I'd encourage people to take a look at it. It's called the power of moments and it's mm-hmm. by the Heath brothers. And, you know, the connection I ma- made, um, is that, you know, how, how do traditions begin, right? right. Well, I believe that it's, um, like those moments that it's somebody's defining moment as they, talk about them in the book. And, you know, as I was thinking about our theme of timeless traditions and having just read this book about moments, it just felt like a really neat intersection. Mm -hmm. And candidly, it got me really thinking about what have been those defining moments in my career at ERS, you know, the ones that stick with you. And I highlighted a couple 
you know, I highlighted, you know, the fact that we have, um, you know, this thing that we do annually with our managers on accomplishments, you know, mm -hmm. I talked about the Lauren Brown fund and my relationship with Lauren mm -hmm. um, and how that was such a defining moment. And then I also talked about, um, you know, the defining moment of, you know, when we went all in and public about, you know, our dementia inclusive Cincinnati and right. center for memory support and inclusion. So, right. you know, it's really fun to, I think, to step back and reflect about, you know, the paths that we've taken and mm -hmm. you and I are members of leadership Academy from, from leading age. And you think about your crucible moments in your mm -hmm. life and, Mm -hmm. Those are just different words to talk about defining moments, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, I think that's, you know, you, you bring up our own moments. And I know we, we've talked in the past and, and recently about one of your defining moments is when you had breast cancer and the show of support. I, I wonder if you could kind of talk about how that made an impact on you. Oh, it did. So, um Back in, uh, gosh, it's been so long ago, 2010, mm -hmm. I was diagnosed with breast cancer and I was actually uh, the vice president of residential health care at that time. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember thinking, you know, no, nobody wants a diagnosis of breast cancer. Let's be real honest sure. about that. Sure. You're right. But having said that, you know, if you... I don't think you can find a more supportive environment mm -hmm. than ERS when you have to do deal with something that is so challenging right. and specifically being at ERS where there were other staff members that had walked that journey. And frankly, I don't know that there's a resident male or female that hasn't been touched with breast cancer, right? Either right. a, a a mom, a wife, a, mm -hmm. a, you know, a, you know, a daughter, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and sons and men obviously have that disease, but primarily affects women. And to, to go through that and feel the love and the support, you know, we, we just recently had a, a staff member out on medical leave for a, a different matter. And mm -hmm. I remember talking to that individual and saying, you know, um, I, it's an honor to help you, you know, I need to pay back all the people that helped me, you know? So yeah. it's that concept of paying forward when somebody helps you, you need to help others, um, when they have their, uh, time and need. Yeah. Um, well, and that's so unique, I think to ERS, it just permeates whether it, it as you mentioned, you know, we help each other as fellow staff members or, you know, the, the, the grace and the love and, and the commitment to our residents and their families. There's just so many examples of that. I, I know we're working on a video right now with one of our residents at Marjorie P. Lee that went through a very difficult time amidst COVID. And your name was mentioned of just being one of those first people to reach out. So I, I can imagine that while you receive that, it must bring you great joy to, to help others. Well, it does. And I, I feel like it, you know, it's either you're in payback mode, meaning someone's helped you mm -hmm. or, you know, I feel like, um, 
you know, maybe, maybe as humans, we know that, you know, one day we might need help. Right. <laughs> so you, you either do it because you've been helped or because you want to, to know that and have confidence that when it's your turn to go through something that they're going to people that uh, people that'll come to your aid as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, it's just, you see that played out day after day, year after year. It's just a part of this organization. You really do. It, 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 it's made me so grateful to be a part of this organization and to work for you, Laura, over the years. So it's, thank you for that. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that, Brian. Yeah. I appreciate that. You know, we've been putting a lot of focus on, you know, really loving on the people that are here mm -hmm. and just really um, making sure that we're holding up, you know, our folks that have have served us so beautifully over this pandemic. And right. I have to say, you know, we, we just, we don't have full understanding of what everybody's going through. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, and I think in my role, being able, being able to help recognize people has really been humbling just to kind of know that, you know, what, what do we talk about on Friday night that some of our staff are just literally at one crisis away from losing everything. And yeah. when you can work for an organization that helps folks stay uh, on their path and, mm -hmm. you know, don't lose everything that, you know, who can't get behind that kind of mission? I mean, come on. Right. That's just wonderful to be a part of that. Yeah. And I know we've talked about this in the context of the the great resignation and wanting to really focus on those that are staying and, and giving, but this has really been a part of our DNA as we've kind of yeah. talked about. So it's, it has. It it's, has. it's special to watch. Mm. Well, thank you for that. Sure. That. Sure. Well, Laura, thank you again for your time this month. And, uh, you know, gosh, it'll be almost fall by the time we talk next time next month. So, We'll get out our pumpkin spice uh, lattes by then. <laughs> That'll be great. Have a great month. You do the same, Brian. Talk to you later. All right. Brian, it was great to hear from Laura today. Um, we had an amazing event last week and uh, um, her speech and how she referred to um, the power of moments and how that has in, that book has impacted her life um, was really compelling. Um, I enjoy the Heath brothers and some of their other books. And so I've actually um, right. ordered that book on audible and I'm going to be listening to it very soon. So I'm excited. Um, what she talked about um, really made so much sense with just how to be intentional with our moments and, and not just let them, you know, slip by or right. um, just, you know, left a chance, um, really to be, um, present and, um, and much more in the moment. It was a great conversation and great to hear from her. Yeah. I've, I've enjoyed hearing her perspective on the book and how she's related that to these key parts of her life, particularly in relation to ERS and, and Lauren Brown and our efforts and memory support and inclusion in the Cincinnati area. It, it, I've learned a lot and uh, I enjoyed uh, my conversation with her uh, this month as I always do, but it was particularly uh, enjoyable this month. 
And great to hear about our young professionals from her, um, mm-hmm. which uh, Hannah McCarran is one. So why don't you introduce us to Hannah? Yeah, so uh, Hannah McCarran is uh, our household coordinator at uh, Marjorie P. Lee in our memory care areas. She's fairly new to the organization, uh, but we're really excited to have her uh, on the team and and leading our efforts for those living with uh, Alzheimer's or dementia and uh, their care partners. So here's my interview with Hannah. So I'm here with our household coordinator at Marjorie P. Lee of our memory support uh, neighborhoods, uh, Hannah McCarran. Hi, Hannah. How are you? I'm good, Brian. How are you? I'm doing really well. It's uh, getting towards the end of the summer, which is my favorite season, but uh, I also enjoy fall. So it, it's just gone by so quickly. It has. It has indeed. Yeah. And, you know, particularly you um, just started with the organization, what, in April or May of this year? So I'm sure you've, you've yes. been really taking on a lot. Mm-hmm. And May 16th. Wow. Was my wow. first day. Right. So you uh, just finished getting your master's degree from uh, the, the Scripps Center of Gerontology, correct? Yeah, at Miami University, so the Department of Gerontology and Sociology. Um, right. And and you got your, your undergrad degree from there and then went on to get your master's, correct? I did. I did. I, I love the department and the faculty there are just amazing. And it was an opportunity that I couldn't pass up. So. Yeah. So what, what drew you into working with older adults that obviously doing it an undergrad, you know, getting a degree in undergrad and then taking it on to master's, you, you must have a real passion for, for working with older adults. Yeah, um, I do. I know this is a podcast, so um, everybody else won't be able to see, but Brian, I'll show you a picture and I'll mm-hmm. kind of describe it for our listeners. But uh-huh. these ladies right here that in this photo, everyone, I'm sitting in matching pajamas with three other <laughs> women. Um, their names are Sharon, Carol, and Jan. Uh-huh. Carol and Jan are sisters. All three of these women are now in their mid to late 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, they have known me since I was probably about two years old. Mm-hmm. And um our relationship has developed over the course of my life from, you know, kind of helping hands caregiver type role to mentors when I was in junior high or in early high school to a very peer-based friendship. Mm -hmm. Um, They have always been very important to to me and in my life and played a big impact. Mm -hmm. Um, Along with my grandmother, when I was growing up, I was very close to. Mm -hmm. So I, I, unknowingly spent a lot of time around older adults to me that was just normal Mm -hmm. that was who my friends were Um, the four of us have a matching tattoo that was not my idea it was Carol's (laughs) Um, so you know these women have inspired me and been such an important part of my life that in late mid late high school when I was thinking about you know what what do I want to do in college I think that's the question on every Mm -hmm. 16 to 18 year old kids mine Mm -hmm. or a lot of them and my mom knew of a program at Miami centered around older adults Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. And she just encouraged me to, when I went to visit, to talk to one of the faculty members. Mm -hmm. And I did just that. And I was very interested in what she had to say. So I decided, you know, I'll try it out. I'll declare it. Yeah, I can always change it. Mm -hmm. Um, And from the first intro class, Big Ideas and Aging, Mm -hmm. uh, I just, I fell in love and I never turned back. I've loved everything I've done with older adults academically Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. practically. Um, Yeah. And I can't see myself having done any other trajectory. Right. So, and, and while you are are rather new to your role at ERS, you actually had an internship back in 2018, correct? I did. I did. Um, And I love how full circle it really felt for me when I, Mm -hmm. when I got this job, because the internship was my first internship. Mm-hmm. It was the summer after my freshman year of college. So oh, wow. it was my first um, really practical experience in mm-hmm. aging. You know, I had your know, personal experience. I had just begun my academic experience in aging. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, I was encouraged by Kristen Davenport to, mm-hmm. cons- to, you know, look at an internship. And she actually set it all up for me. I was uh-huh. so blessed to have her. Um, right. coordinate that for me and I got to actually do my interview with Laura Lamb um, mm-hmm. which was pretty cool as a you know a 19 20 year old <laughs> to get right. to interview with the CEO right um, and I loved my time here it really I hadn't really been in a long-term care setting before mm-hmm. uh, a lot of things I'd done were, were in the community so that was very new. Right. Um, and it was just a very positive experience and really sealed in that I was in the right, not just the right thing academically and intellectually, but the right thing in a very a practical a work-based way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I was finishing up my master's, I was looking for jobs. I was constantly refreshing the LinkedIn page for ERS because I was like, oh, I just, I loved it here. And it would be so great if I could do that again. Um, so it really just felt right in full circle when, when I got to interview for the job. That's, that's terrific. And I think uh, just a really indicative story of our organization, how we like to bring people in that, that may have started in one position and, and, uh, are open to, to opportunities to grow. So that's, you know, congratulations to you and we're, we're, we're glad to have you. So, so throughout your education, it sounded like you started not just, you know, not just in focusing on older adults, but, but art as a way of connecting with um, older adults and, and even those, particularly in the area of Alzheimer's and dementia. Um, can you tell w- what drew you to that? Yeah, um, art has always had a special place in my life. Uh, personally, I enjoy painting and I do a lot of painting in my personal life. Um, and with the, the ladies I mentioned previously, we used to go on trips where we um, do mission work and facilitate adults with disabilities ability to do art. Um, mm-hmm. So when I was like 12 or 13. So that started out really young and was always a part mm-hmm. of things. And while I was at school, I got involved in two programs. Um, one was Opening Minds Through Art, the OMA program, um, mm-hmm. and the whole focus of that is to facilitate uh, adults with dementia and cognitive impairment's ability to do art, and really their ability mm-hmm. to do it themselves, and um, mm-hmm. 
and for that to be facilitated by students a lot of the time mm -hmm. and then threshold choir and threshold choir is um a choir in which we go to hospice or uh, people who mm -hmm. are actively dying's bedsides mm -hmm. and sing to them while they were in that threshold mm -hmm. of life and death right uh, and those two things you know th that's both art to me you know both the physical yeah. art and then musical art sure. and mm -hmm. um those were things that i did throughout my entire career at miami um and brought me a lot of passion and really made me feel like I was giving back to the you know the community I was studying and spending a lot of time doing yeah. academic things surrounding mm -hmm. um so I've just always really enjoyed it and I've always really found it to be a meaningful way to connect to people in general mm -hmm. um and you know when we look at and spend a lot of time with people who have different forms of dementia or cognitive decline mm -hmm. you know there's mm -hmm. this awkward area really where we're not sure how to connect where we're not sure how to communicate sometimes mm -hmm. um and art whether it's musical or tactile is an amazing way to connect as humans with people that we yeah. might not be able to connect in um what we'd consider typical ways yeah well what a, that's a really refreshing way of looking at making connections um, with people that are in a very transition stage of their lives um, as they live with Alzheimer's and dementia. So, so taking that uh, passion and experience and knowledge that you've kind of built up over the last several years, and now that you're bringing that to ERS, tell, tell, tell me and the listeners a little bit about your role as a household coordinator at uh, Marjorie P. Lee in the area of memory support. Yeah. Um, one thing I really like about my job is that I have a lot of jobs in one. <laughs> so uh -huh. I like yeah. to do a lot of things. I like for things to, you know, um, for it to be constantly changing and always a new challenge that keeps me engaged. And um, it's just what I enjoy. So this is perfect because I wear many hats. So as a household coordinator, um, I manage our memory support household. So we have three at Marjorie P. Lee, uh, mm -hmm. Morris, Kirby, and Luther. Mm -hmm. And I manage all three of those. So I supervise our RA staff um, and I act as um, a direct source for our residents and I advocate for our residents' needs. And mm -hmm. I act as the main point of contact for the families so that I can advocate for our families' needs um, mm -hmm. and our residents' needs to the families and vice versa. So sure. um, I spend a lot of my time out and about on the floors, spending a lot of time mm -hmm. with the residents, getting to know them, and really being a part of their community here. Um, mm -hmm. And I do many things, I guess, pretty much if somebody needs something, whether it's staff, resident, or family, I'm your go-to gal here. Right. Well, and I think that's when I, one of the things I've realized working in this, this uh, business and industry and uh, with, with older adults and their families, I think family members just want to know that they're, not that their loved one is just safe, but engaged. And it sounds like that. Yeah want that connection is very important for you and to lead that your 
team to, to, to do that. Yeah, engagement and care is very important to me. And when I say care, I don't really, I don't just mean, you know, the physical caring, right. but, you know, the emotional mm -hmm. caring, that's so important here. It's important for everybody, but it's so important for our loved ones who have dementia or other kinds of cognitive decline, because, you know, those are people that often are missing that emotional support, right. that emotional right. connection. Right. So obviously art is a way you like to connect, but what, what are the, some of the other ways that, or, or, or what, what type of art and what other ways do we provide programming and or engagement with our residents? Yeah. So Debbie McLean, our activities, our life enrichment director mm -hmm. here at Margie Peely does an amazing job of creating a robust calendar for us that incorporates exercise, which is so important, um, art um, and reading, poetry, just baking, pretty much anything that we all like to do. Um, you know, people, our residents here, people with dementia, they like to do those things too. They still have interests. They still want to be engaged. They still want to participate in some of the things they used to do. So we do flower mm -hmm. arranging. We do mm -hmm. uh, daily walk club, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And if sometimes our residents bring ideas, you know, they have wanted to go to certain places and we try our best to make that happen. We just recently went to the Crone Conservatory we have a number of residents oh, who wow. love plants um, and a number mm -hmm. of them who love outdoors. So it was like the perfect combo. Mm -hmm. the, the ones that were, love plants were very excited and sharing with the other ones who just like to be outside, like what we were looking at. Right. And it's a great, great right. way for them to bond as well. So creating community yeah. for them is huge here for me. I really try and engage them together um, as well as it just in general quality time I think is so important because we can get so caught up in oh well we need to hit all these boxes of all these different activities or oh we right. you know we need to do all these different things and when it sometimes when it comes down to it we just need to spend quality time with each other and that's true for our residents so mm -hmm. a walk outside mm -hmm. when a resident looks bored or a chat in their apartment mm -hmm. um, to connect those are just as important as our, those structured activities. Yeah, and I think that that's one of the things I've I've loved about the organization and and you know the people that you work with and, and yourself is by getting to know these individuals, then you can be very person centered in the way that you can facilitate engagement and or purpose or 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 activities. So I, I that's that's really yeah. cool. And we so try it, to be flexible. So, yeah. you know, if they don't like something, we won't do it. You know, we're not going to make them do something they don't like. Right, right. Well, Hannah, I, I really appreciate your time and getting the chance to to kind of introduce you to, you know, our 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 audience. And uh, we'll, we'll certainly look forward to maybe catching up in the near future again. Well, thank you for having me on. Well, Brian, it was so good to hear you interview Hannah. I've known Hannah quite a while, and I know that her um, education and training um, through uh, Miami University, that's where she was for undergrad and grad school, um, mm -hmm. has really prepared her to be just um, 
an impactful team member. She's really already in her short time with us, added a lot to uh, the team at Marjorie P. Lee. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed speaking with her and, and getting her perspective and, and uh, how she loves to interact with our residents and family members. And it, she's just very refreshing and uh, looking forward to, you know, just seeing all the great things that she'll do uh, over the coming years with, within our organization. And Hannah was an intern with us and, uh, you know, in a, in a tradition of many um, very successful people in our organization who started yeah. as interns, not to name drop a few, but um, Laura Lamb. So there right. you go. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Very good point. Well, that's it for this uh, latest episode of uh, Linkage Podcast by Episcopal Retirement Services. Uh, for more information about us, you can visit our website at EpiscopalRetirement.com. We have a lot of great content, including our Linkage Online blog, resources to learn more about aging and the services we offer, and so much more. Uh, you can follow us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube, and also Instagram now, uh, and you can see what's going on within our ERS communities. And if you have any questions or feedback for us, please email us at info at erslife.org. The Linkage Podcast is produced by Kristen Davenport and myself, Brian Reynolds, and our technical director is Caroline Perrier. I'd like to thank our guests today, uh, Shannon Braun and Hannah McCarran, and a special thanks to uh, President and CEO, as always, Laura Lamb, for being available to give us updates about the organization. On behalf of myself, Brian Reynolds, and Kristen Davenport, thank you so much for joining us, and we look forward to our podcast next month. Thanks, Kristen. Oh, thank you, Brian. See you then.